0: Babies on Broadway. Today I am here with Summer, a regular face in this podcast at this point, and we've got my husband, too. Today's episode, we are going to be covering a topic, maybe a little bit more serious tone today. It is going to be parenting a child with trauma. So Summer, to give you some background, actually has how many years? Too many. Too many years. Seven. Many mental health background. Mm-hmm. Okay, She has her MSSW, Master's of Science of Social Work. Did oh, you... sorry. I was just talking about the education part. Oh, yeah. I was like, it's yeah. way more than seven, yeah. Summer.
1: No, 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 no. Absolutely. So mental health work, working in the field of mental health, 15 years. Yeah. yeah. I was like,
0: uh, pretty sure we saw yes <laughs> more than seven years of that. Okay. So mass background in this, right? And so today we're gonna to cover this topic for anyone out there who's listening or you know has encountered these situations, parenting a child with trauma. So we'll, we're just gonna dive right into it. We are going to talk about my child with trauma. I actually have two of them. Now one, his story is gonna be his to tell. It is not a public situation at all, his kind of deal. The second one though, my younger son Flynn, the situation that caused his trauma in life was pretty, pretty public event. Although I think we'll get into, maybe it started even far farther before that. But so I have my two boys at this point in life, wherever you are listening to this podcast, they are currently going to be 16 at the end of this week, Thursday, Remington turned 16. And my Flynn, my younger one is 11. So it's 2023 right now. So let's rewind to 2020, right? Yep. Yep. Yep, the world is going a little bit crazy. Flynn has always let me give you background on my boys too. Like, so Remington does come from a little bit of a trauma background as well, but definitely a more compliant child is what I'm going to say about him. He is pretty much a mama's boy and is fairly compliant and easy, in my opinion. What would you say about Remy?
2: Yeah, he's he's very much been an, uh, you know, an adult. Yeah. Most of his childhood, he would it go seems. With the flow. Yeah, yep.
1: and a firstborn yep. would be the other kind of that
0: adult role. Yeah, mm-hmm. firstborn. Mm-hmm. People who meet him think he's a real old soul. He can carry on an adult conversation with pretty much anyone, and has always been able to. Then you've got your secondborn. They're always they're always your wilder ones. I feel like <laughs> they come out of nowhere, right? So Flynn has a young child. Was definitely my more rowdy one. He was always climbing on things. In fact, I joke about how I thought he used to have pica <laughs> because <laughs> he literally ate everything, including multitudes of chemicals. He could get into the kid loved him. We call it like a run, run and chug. Like poison control was on like speed dial, and it was super embarrassing. And our house looked like it was just like locked down in every way shape or form you could not take your eyes off him for two seconds in fact one time he'd been into one of those like neon lighted things you know that you have mm, at yeah. fairs and, and his whole mouth illuminated <laughs> <laughs> like it was glowing Holy through his nose freaking. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like why why would you eat that you know like under what circumstances do you think mm, let me chew that so always been my much more wild child in fact he could crawl out of his crib at nine months old Oh,
1: this is too much. You gotta share this. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like, to the point where he would launch himself out. He couldn't even walk. I just wanna throw that out there. And then we would, like, double baby gate his room because it was like, well, Kyle, like, I cannot have this kid, like, wandering the house. This is these stories where, like, your kid goes outside in the winter and they freeze to death, and it's just, like, really, really terrible. And you wonder how it can happen. And then you meet Flynn and you're like, this, this is how it happens. Like you are up in the middle of the night all the time, crawling out of your crib, launching himself over baby gates. I literally lost him in a hotel one night. Like we had multiple security things in place. Like I, we all slept in the same bed together in a king size bed. We shut that door, lock that door. My dad was like the last ditch effort sleeping on a pullout couch in front of the door. And Flynn was like 18 months old. And he got out of bed, got all the locks <laughs> undone, pushed a chair over to the door and got out into the hallway only to be brought back by some drunk <laughs> college kids knocking on people's door with my tiny child. I actually did cry because I was like, oh my God. A horrible mother, you know. They were just about to go to the front desk with this baby who was just like, ah, like I'm out. So, yeah, wild child. Always been my my little bit of a more tumultuous child. So, we'll start there. Those are and my He's
1: always ones. no worse for the wear, like himself. Like, you yeah. know,
0: like he's just <laughs> going with it. Yeah. And just goes. Like, he just goes yes. and goes and goes and goes and goes. But previous to this, incident that we're going to talk about I didn't necessarily notice any like anxieties in him so uh, Remington's trauma had happened many years previous to Flynn and so I was used to dealing with a different kind of trauma-based child a compliant child like they Mm -hmm. say that every person when they encounter trauma has three responses to it flight fight or freeze and Remy's got to be either a flight or freeze I'm going to go with flight actually Maybe a freeze. I'm not excited. He had a
1: lot of physiological responses. He did.
0: Yeah. He did. And so very different than what I ended up dealing with Flynn. Mm -hmm. Um, From the outside looking in, it actually seems easier. You know? You've got this compliant child that seems okay to parent. So we're going to go to 2020. Were we married? Yes. Yes, we were married. We were married at that point. Okay. Yep. Living in an old century home middle of Little Falls, and I'm not really sure how else you tell the story, but here we go. So we had these neighbors across the street that were, you know, constantly kind of like uh, getting into altercations outside. We'll just call it that. And it wasn't really anything abnormal. In fact, we had a pretty solid relationship with the family, I would say. Mm-hmm. Grandma across the street, her kids, some of their kids' kids, you know, our kids played together but they kind of came from a different, a little bit of a different world. Mm-hmm. These guys had moved to Little Falls, Morrison County from Chicago, totally different world for us. In fact, we would talk to grandma all the time initially in the beginning about just like how much of a culture shock it was for her to come to this area. And we really enjoyed getting to know her. A couple years into it, her kids were there and then her eventually her grandkids who she would watch sometimes. So it's April, I'm gonna go April 30th, I feel like 2020 pandemic had just blown up, right? Like the world ended in March. Everything's uncertain. Everybody's home. People are scared of being sick. It was probably like what? Eight o'clock at night? Uh, it was around
2: 1030. 1030? Yep. Really? Yep.
0: You feel like it was that late? Okay, it well, was. You called me. Did it? Mm-hmm. See, look at me with my times wrong. And I was a material witness to this thing later. So <laughs> this is why you maybe shouldn't recall on people. <laughs> Years later, testimony thing, God <laughs> yeah, we bleed it out. So 1030, I guess you're mm-hmm. sleeping on the couch yep. at this point. Remington is gone for the night. He's had a friend and I'm sitting on the couch listening to, first we hear loud music. So loud music comes and I look outside and there's a car parked in front of our house. And it's kind of this normal yeah. altercation that would happen. In yeah. fact, like just to fast forward two nights previous to this, the same exact thing happened. All three boys were out on the trampoline. I don't know if you remember this or not. And they came running inside because this like same, very similar altercation had happened while they were outside. And it was my older son and two of his friends at this time and came running in and were like, oh my gosh, they're fighting outside. And it was all crazy. And like, I would, I am so naive that I would literally sometimes stomp outside and be like, knock it off. Like, this is crazy. (laughs) Well, maybe that wasn't the best idea. So two nights later, I'm watching this. Situation go down and peeking out my window, I'm actually just about to like get up and go outside and be like, gosh, like enough is enough. So they are screaming at each other. So you've got this car parked in front of our house and then another gentleman who came out of grandma's house who was standing on the side of the street and their car parked kind of right here. And I am watching this whole thing go down and they're screaming at each other and I don't know, like everything goes slow motion at that point for me to be quite honest with you. Flynn is upstairs actually playing video games. Yep. Yep. Playing Fortnite at the time to be specific. And all of a sudden I see the one gentleman like pull something out of his pocket and like he raises it up. And it's weird because I'm sure it was only a matter of seconds. In fact, I actually listened back to the audio Cause one of our neighbors had caught it on like a ring or like some kind of security system. It's so fast, but like in my mind, it was so incredibly slow. And I just remember seeing like this, like flash, like bang, you know? And I'm like, Holy shit. Like he's got a gun and he's shooting he's shooting the dude, you know? And it's like flash, bang, bang, bang. And I just like remember like hitting the floor and you are like passed out on the couch and I am like smacking you like they're shooting, they're shooting and you know, screaming. And I've got this like phone, I've got my cell phone. I was like, I gotta call 911. So I call 911, which is really funny. Later the cops were like, oh, you were the 911 caller. Cause I watch way too much crime TV. Like I fall asleep to it every night. So I have to tell the police. 709 so Third Street Northeast shots have been fired. <laughs> like, I repeat shots have been fired. <laughs> and I remember the 911. Did you say that? Yes. Oh my God. They played it back for me later and they were actually dying laughing. Like, not <laughs> funny, but like funny. And the lady says, You mean like gunshots? Like, are you sure? And I was like, I am sure. Like I saw the whole thing happen. And you are still sleepy at this point, just <laughs> FYI. But my mind then goes to also like Flynn, you know, Flynn's upstairs, like you don't really know what exactly to do. I've told 911, she clearly got that it was real because now the rest, like phone lines were lighting up behind me. So I I don't think I was the only one who heard it or probably to find out later, just not the only one who saw it. Yeah. She asked me how many shots are fired and I don't know why I actually remembered. It was like a first, like a batch of like seven and then a batch of like eight like, those are the numbers I remember. Like, 15 shots, and there was a pause in between. And I remember yelling for Flynn, like, you know, get away from the windows, and they're shooting, and all of a sudden, like, just things erupt. So both cars end up driving off the person who was the shooter and the shootie. So the, the shootie also drives off for some reason. And then the next thing is you actually wake up because the people in the house came home and were, like, screaming, right? Yeah. And you're technically, like... First response trained. Well,
2: sort of, but it sounded like there was someone in like serious physical distress in her yard.
0: Yes, which there was not. It was just very traumatic in terms of like the experience. Yeah, yeah, the event. Mm -hmm. And the person who drove off was clearly shot, too. You know, and was
1: driving Mm -hmm. the vehicle.
0: Yeah, they drove off. He made it to I think his house. Like, Lord only knows why you drive off when you've been shot. I I think. The report later said he was shot like seven times, like grazed, you know, he had arm, leg, luckily superficial to a point, but pretty much every bullet hit our house Mm -hmm. is like the bottom line of this. And so what ensued after, I would have to say was maybe almost more traumatic in a way. So like the shooting itself is really quick, right? It happens, but then your entire neighborhood is locked down in crime scene tape (laughs) and the BCA they're coming. Like, they're coming to your house. There are multiple police, absolutely, in every crevice of every part of your house. We have two dogs at the time. You are habitually barking at everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and little Flynn, because how old would he have been? I think
2: second grade.
0: Yeah, eight years old, is now, I mean, he was terrified. So after I went upstairs and I had talked to him, you know, he was crying. And actually, the first thing he said to me was like, I know what to do because they have school shooting drills. This is what he actually said to me. He goes, I know what to do. We need to get away from the windows. We need to shut the doors. We need to lock them. And he kind of just went into this, like, I'm going to call it fight mode Mm -hmm. right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Like, and I didn't know what was really to come after that. So he was clearly distraught through this experience. I think we all took it very differently. I think I kind of sat through and did what I would normally do in a tsunami or crisis situation, which was like process it and roll through it because that's what you have to do. Like... I don't know that there was any eye on the goal, but I was just like, okay, we got to keep it together, right? You, on the other hand, kind of fell off the deep end.
2: No, I would say I was kind of like, okay, we're safe.
0: Yeah, you went outside. These These things happen.
2: These things happen. I'm kind of moving on.
0: Yeah, you may or may not have gone into the tiny bathroom in the hallway and drank a bunch of whiskey. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) That is how Drew dealt with it. When they needed to take his poor statement later in the night, I was like, you're going to have to ex his because they're like, what's your name? Andrew? (laughs) Mm, That ain't good. (laughs) That is how you dealt with the
1: situation. Maybe not on the record for him right now. (laughs) I think we're going
0: to have to turn off the tape recorder for him because this one ain't going well. (laughs) Sorry. But at one point, we were actually sitting on the couch and... You know, there was an officer inside the house. There were, like I said, many outside the couch, or outside the house. And at this point in time, it was like two, three in the morning. I mean, this went on all night. Like them collecting casings and spray painting our yard. And (laughs) there was bullet holes in the trampoline. So the place that the boys had been two nights previously, there were clear bullet holes through the net in the trampoline. Bullet holes through their hockey net, right? That blew apart the little bullet holes Mm -hmm. in the hockey net bullet holes that were like in a shed. They had to take a piece of a couch. Like it was just craziness, like all night long. At one point, poor Flynn is sitting there and nothing is really happening at this point besides the, the milling around of the people. And he just gets up and runs outside and starts screaming, help me, help me, help me. Remember that when he Mm -hmm. went outside to the officers and it was like, Oh buddy, like nothing is happening right now but like something in his brain triggered him just to like run outside he was so frantic and I don't even know what it was I don't know that we'll ever know what that was but one of the officers came back in he was a dad of one of Flynn's friends and really like sat down with him and he didn't have to do this like you know he really took the time and sat Flynn down and I think he probably saw a lot of what was maybe his own son in Flynn at that moment mm-hmm. and really like, sat with him and he said, you know what, buddy, like, we caught the guy, like, he's arrested, there's no threat to you, I mean, he basically had to sit there and really talk
2: Yeah, it was, it was remarkable what he did for Flynn that night
0: Yeah, it was, like, I mean, he held his hand, he calmed him down, Flynn was, like, visibly shaken, kind of, pretty much all night long, I would have to say, and so that was our traumatic event, that was it, the shooting, that's what we refer to it as But what we didn't know or what I don't think you really think in the moment at all is like, what next? You know, so I think it was three, four in the morning. We go to bed. Maybe we sleep. Maybe we don't. I don't even really remember, to be honest. You wake up the next morning. Your house is still covered in crime scene tape. People are now driving by because it's a small town and like there's, you know, what do you want to call it? spray painted numbers, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Mm -hmm. all the way up to 15 all over our house at this point. And we noticed kind of right off the bat, I would say with Flynn, you couldn't shut a door. Like you literally could not close the microwave. Mm -hmm. And he freaked. Mm -hmm. Like it was a very physical response he seemed to be having to this. But we thought, you know, it's day one, pretty random event, wouldn't really happen again. I don't know for me I didn't notice anything right off the bat like from a PTSD standpoint do do you
2: no I thought that just crossed my mind though is like shortly that after that that's when he kind of lost his affinity for Nerf guns
0: yeah it is Mm -hmm. I didn't really realize that either it's interesting but definitely there was a very physical response to like noise because we had old wooden creaky stairs and like we could not go up those stairs without him panicking We came to the realization that we were probably going to look at having to move.
1: What about like information? Did he ask a lot of questions? A lot of times our brain tries to provide knowledge about the event. What shook out? You know, what were the long-term, you know, did he want to know what happened to the people involved? You know, knowledge provides security at times.
0: Because they feel in control, right? Right. Like they have more.
1: Just an understanding even of like, gosh, how come it occurred? Because the other part of that coin is, how can I make sure it doesn't happen
0: again? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he did ask a lot of questions. He was constantly concerned about the activity that was going on outside. And that became a real issue for us. It became very apparent that anytime loud music was coming around the corner, which is frequent in that area, very. Yep, we'd find him hiding behind our headboard. Mm-hmm. He started sleeping in bed with us it's still a problem if I'm being honest like he I have to lay with him every single night um until he falls asleep definitely I mean you can fast forward many years to this like today we still can't do fireworks really like we never realized where we ended up moving to they have rocks games and the rocks shoot off fireworks at the end of their game and we had to get accustomed to okay it's whatever night there's going to be a rocks game you know it's okay But yeah, he did ask a lot of questions. He did want knowledge. What didn't help is like the entire world was just like falling apart. So March 15th, Mm -hmm. COVID, right? Like that's really when COVID blew up. April 30th was our shooting. And by May, you had all the riots and Mm -hmm. like you couldn't stop watching them, right? Right. And like, that was a grave error for me. I feel like I needed to shut off the TV. I needed to tune him out. And I don't think I realized at the time, like you're all watching these, like you're watching buildings burn down. I even went down to donate items to that area in Minneapolis. Like you just couldn't like stop watching it, but like it was triggering for him. For sure, makes sense. Like because that you're watching TV where things are blowing up and they're shooting. What are those things that like tear gas and mm-hmm. like all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff? And it's loud and it is. even like the news in reporters, right? In the well. crowds of people, and even the news reporters were like, "Oh no!" Like who's right. that guy Mike Max? <laughs> <laughs> we did get kind of a kick out of watching Mike Max on WCCO <laughs> in the in the riots. But I think that that d- definitely didn't help anything. No. Um, and at hindsight, I was like, Oh, I needed to shelter him from that better. But that was the world and you were, everyone was home and that's right. what you were watching. Right. You know, cause it yeah. was everywhere. So on top of having this, you know, incident that happened, then we had that. And I think we came to the realization, like we were going to have to look at potentially moving, if not for anything else, the fact that that was never going to feel safe to him again, like that home did not feel safe. It didn't matter that the threat was gone, that no. it wasn't going to happen again. Just the environment mm-hmm. he couldn't calm.
1: Absolutely. The association was made. Yeah, permanently. Yep.
0: But the interesting part to it, I guess, is kind of like the behavior that followed. That got difficult because before this, although he was our more wild, rambunctious, but like carefree boy, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't, wasn't burdened with this like angry disposition or really like hurt insides. I don't even know how else to describe it. But after the incident, he really had a different side to his personality. Like straight rage, I would say. Like literally seeing red. Mm-hmm. And... I think I had to relate it a little bit back to, you know, some of the work we had done with Remington's trauma, just realizing. So Rem used to do this thing and and without really sharing any of his story, but like one of his coping mechanisms was to repeat things. I don't know if you remember this. Oh yeah. He would memorize like every word to every TV show and have to watch the same one over and over again and like say it out loud. Right. Flynn on the other hand, like the minute his brain went into like an unsafe feeling or an uncertainty he would just like rage and say like the most outrageous things like you've seen it happen i know and like you are his scapegoat i would have to say Mm -hmm. in this and so one of the reasons we have drew here today too is like a different perspective from it so i think that yours influence relationship previous to the shooting was definitely more solid in some ways and he viewed you as a really safe, comfortable person. Mm-hmm. And obviously he views me as that as well. And I think those are the people that really truly become like, I don't want to say the victims, but like the, who they definitely are most comfortable showing those emotions to if they even think about them. Cause I think they just come out. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think he goes, like you said, so red that.
0: Yeah. And so we're subject to a ton of his outbursts of, like uncertainties and and the things that he says are shocking at times, hateful. And the interesting part is like he doesn't always remember. Like you can ask him, like, why would you say that to me? Like how could you say that you hate me and that I mean the the names he calls us and he will like I really don't think he remembers. It's like I didn't do that. (laughs) And it's like you, you just did it like literally five minutes ago.
1: And then that's tough because it can be real convenient from someone who is getting it to be like, you. what do you mean you don't remember? You know, like that, how convenient. You just verbally assaulted yeah. me and now you don't remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bullshit.
0: Yeah. Or like you feel crazy. Like, uh, this just happened.
1: And then top it off. Like, so if it was an adult, you would say that back. Like, what do you mean you don't yeah. remember? Psycho. You just did this. <laughs> like, you know, like, right? Right. Yeah. Well, when it's a child... There's a whole level of complexity that goes just with the fact that it's really hard to process something that they probably truly don't remember. Right. Because they were in their brainstem mode and they were not using the part of their brain that actually recalls things. Right.
0: Which is crazy to think about, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But it's super hurtful. Mm -hmm. Super hurtful. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Clearly it happened. So because this episode is running a little bit long and it is kind of a super heavy topic here that we are hitting, um we're going to cut parenting a child with trauma into, uh, you know, multiple parts. So please make sure to tune in to the next episode as well.